Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial home and away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavanagh, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters are very good at finding themselves in, like, is it okay to be hanging out with your ex this much? And can you really be alive when you're clinically dead? Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Alrighty, well we left last week with Tane pressuring Ziggy for an answer on why herself and Dean broke up. And it really did look like the cat was going to come out of the bag. I really thought Ziggy was going to crack because Tane was really putting the pressure on. He was intimidating Bella. He was creating all kinds of problems and kind of redigging up the the Colby storyline. And himself and Ziggy specifically made a we won't keep secrets from each other promise. That was specifically made for reasons to do with Tane. So when she finally speaks to him about it properly, it really did seem like she was going to say it. And I'm so happy that she didn't because it would have opened up a total can of worms. But I don't understand with like a little bit more thought, Tane could figure out what, considering how much Tane it was caring about this and how much of a deal breaker he was going on about it, it which it is. With a tiny bit more thought, I think Tane could put one and two together and figure out that Dean knew something illegal, Bella's involved with it, and Colby went to jail. Like, maybe, I don't know. He's being a very good boyfriend by not going thinking about it too much, but that would drive me absolutely bananas. Then, so they're coming off the back of that, and she's like, oh, you must be jealous, must mean you really care about me. Then they fling straight into Ziggy and Dean making the front page of the Coastal News with their big win. Tane's clearly uncomfortable. He's not going to the gym. I think, like, Tane not going to the gym is is such a huge sign that things aren't okay. He goes to the gym every day. And if he's bailing right when he's about to walk in the door, I think you'd have to be like alarm bells, check his temperature, what's going on. And it just shows such a lack of respect the way Ziggy's carrying on. And like, this is his first real relationship. He's just said he's really jealous and he really likes you. And now you're like, shoving him off to the side to go chat to your ex like do you have any idea how it looks like Jasmine has to give you some real talk and he's there going oh he just wanted you and me to have some catch-up time Jasmine and Jasmine's like he's thoughtful like that and Jasmine's like no he bailed on the gym like something's really wrong (laughs) after all that then the photo she goes and gets the bloody front page framed and stays for a beer and then when Dean when she's having heart to heart with Dean and he's like Amber's been really weird since the surf comp then her penny drops as she's sitting in her ex-boyfriend's couch late at night having a beer meanwhile Tana's off busy looking after your roommate Ziggy it's just really annoying from Ziggy it's like you should know better and like treat him a bit better not that she has I think it's really nice the relationship uh, Ziggy has with Dean but I also think that you have to be kind of aware that these people all have feelings and you have to be a bit mindful and it's not to say that you can't be friends with Dean but like maybe you could like scale it back a touch there love 
very, very, very frustrating. Well, if Ziggy was paying less attention to Plumossing Dean and more attention to Mac and her boyfriend, maybe none of this would have happened. But Mac is definitely uh, continuing to spiral. Uh, <laughs> she's got Chloe and Ryder annoying her, asking for their jobs back. So much so that then they eventually learn about her miscarriage. Uh, she's fighting with Ryder and Salt, kicking all her customers out, losing her afternoon trade. And then you have... So when Dean and Jasmine are kind of circling the wagons and trying to help her, uh, I never knew... I kind of... Jasmine and Max's friendship seems to be a little bit of a surprise to me. I don't know if it's the same for anybody else. But them being drinking buddies, I'm kind of low-key obsessed with. Uh, I just think, let them have their pity party. Let them be angry. You know, the two of them, very similar stories. They had everything planned. Their whole life was ahead of them. And then it was gone in an instant. And let the girls wallow. Let them wallow. It's... I can stand behind them for that, you know. Um, But where they lose me is when you go to your ex-boyfriend's house completely pissed and begging him for answers. (laughs) And I know as an actress, as an actor, you know, it must be very hard to do the drunk acting and... Mackenzie's like a wreck of the Hespers. It's she's all over the place, flinging her bag to and fro, whipping out bottles of whiskey, <laughs> which ends up being like a carrot on the end of the stick to get her to leave the Pradas and leave the Pradas and back to her farm. Yeah, there's a lot of tears, there's a lot of flailing. It's teetering on an edge there. A very fine one and I do love though like the drunken motions because it starts off like angry crying and then it goes into and then it gets into she probably fell asleep on the journey then she wakes up and she turns into this big seductress <laughs> changing the tune completely has sobered up marginally and tries to get her flirt on Think, and I suppose look she's in a position she's probably rethinking every decision she made why did she stick with Ari Tane could have been the brother she should have gone for all along so then you're like, yeah, of course, it's a great idea to plant one on Tani. And Tani didn't exactly push her away, okay? That was like a lingering kiss. I feel like he lent into that just a little bit too long. Like it was quite like it was a good like four to five seconder. I feel like which, you know, your initial reaction would be like, get off me. To wait till Monday to find out what happens Especially when Ziggy finds out because she's quite the hothead. And Ziggy, in fairness to Ziggy, I know I've just given out about her, but she's been quite a good friend to Mackenzie and I don't think that this is a very good way to repay. Forgivable, yes, because look, we've all been there. But Ziggy loves to lose her temper. So I can't imagine. Or maybe maybe Tane will keep it under his hat. Who knows what's going to happen? So to use, I'm pretty sure I used this phrase in my Irish oral junior cert exam. It was a game of two halves, (laughs) except whatever the Irish of that is. Tori and Christian's reactions to 
the whole Lewis ordeal happened almost like a flip of a coin. So beginning of the week, Tori's still reeling after what happened. Big frantic energy. She can't stand Jasmine, which is highly unfair. And <laughs> we get this revelation that, that Lewis killed the three people under Christian's care. And I don't know if there was a big enough sing and dance about that. That's huge. And I I've got, I don't know, is it was it a bit of a missed opportunity? Could should we the audience have been a bit more involved? When Lewis tried to murder Ari, we had a feeling that maybe the other deaths were it was never that obvious that it was him, that he was this villain. And I just kind of feel like the way we were told about the three other deaths was a bit anticlimactic in the sense that you didn't get to know any of the patients. You didn't like, I don't know. Yeah, I just I just don't think that was made a big enough deal, even in the storyline or as it was revealed. Anyway, I was very proud of Jasmine standing up to Tori saying like, you missed the signs just as much as I did. And I raised the alarm when I my spidey senses were off. So it's very clear that Lewis was unhinged. But were they, I don't understand the direction. Like, were they trying to make it believable that, like, keep you on Jasmine's side? So we were kind of, everyone was tricked by Lewis? Or was it, I just feel like it was executed weirdly, or maybe I just didn't get it. So it just divides into this, like, Team Tory versus Team Christian and Jasmine. And from Tori's perspective, she's almost lost the love of her life, her future husband, future stepdad to Grace. But also with regards to her hatred towards Jasmine, like from Tori's perspective, like Jasmine has been involved in every massive thing that has happened to Tori the last three years. The whole Tori robbing the embryo from Robbo to make baby Grace. Plus... Robbo dying and Jasmine having an inappropriate relationship with baby Grace. So, you know, there's a lot going on there. And then Jasmine's first relationship out of Robbo ends up trying to murder Tori's fiance. So it's quite layered. And I can understand why (laughs) Tori might have like a visceral reaction to Jasmine being a part of another one of Tori's major life events, you know. But then from Christian and Jasmine's perspective, you know, it's nobody's fault. He tricked us all. It's especially not Jasmine's fault. We're all need to deal with this together better. So the so the ambush slash bonding session they have at the diner is really nice and really good. And everyone's able to, you know, share their grievances. Jasmine says she feels responsible. They all get back on track. So then <laughs> Tori's, I say, was Tori like channeling her tra- trauma through anger at Jasmine so then when that gets diffused then it goes into Tori having PTSD over the event and thinking that Christian is actually gone and which is totally a normal justified reaction and Christian tries to reassure her by setting the date why should we wait let's do it in four weeks Brody's restaurant in Victoria I wonder, will we get to go on this trip, sidebar? Like, do we get to see Brody, gross Brody, who I hate, and Simone? Do we get to see all those people again? Will they take us with them? Who knows? Or will they just go? I would hate to not be part of Tori and Christian's wedding, so I do hope they show us that. But anyway, so that setting of the date, bit of a knee-jerk reaction. The first glimmers of a Christian's not okay. Then 
this is where it switches into the second half. So at a yoga session, Christian gets this epiphany. He remembers what happens when he was dead. This is a bit of a stretch, I have to say. Look, we'll take it at face value. Maybe it's a bit, again, Grey's Anatomy's storyline kind of vibe. Yeah, so I don't... I, so he seems to have now... This seems to have sparked this kind of existential crisis in Christian. And he needs to know, why was I saved? What does it all mean? Which is totally fair enough. So now that Tori has kind of had her big emotional reaction, it seems like now it's turned to Christian and how he's coping because he was kind of he was a little bit too okay right after it happened and reassuring Tori and everything and now it's kind of the reality is sinking in and he's kind of going why why am I here what is life and I like how him and Jasmine are bonding because she's had such a rough time but she's lost her boyfriend she's like who do I trust anymore she goes to the hearing has a terrible time and she's trying to get some comfort. So I'm glad she's getting it from Christian because I don't know how much Tori is this whole woo-woo um, tarot cards thing really. I don't know if Tori's logical brain can really go there. I felt really bad for Jasmine that she got a bad tarot reading. And I also felt really bad for the poor tarot cards. I just feel like they should get in like the credits Marilyn's tarot cards should have a little mention because they're in it a lot and everyone seems to get a reading and every time they want to kind of get some kind of like meaning behind something in March's Marilyn's tarot cards and they don't seem to redeem themselves so I just I've got my tarot read loads of times I would never walk out mid-reading I feel like that's really bad luck for your future Marilyn really could have pushed for that a bit more to get her to finish the reading because yeah, it does beg the question of what what is next for little old Jasmine and dear old Christian. And a very quick couple rant, Lee and Justin trying to get control over Justin's pain meds. He's doing a lot of lying and he's getting pretty good at this dance. He's lying straight to Leah's face. And I know Leah's doing, she's doing the best she can to get this pain medication right you know dabbing on him to the to the doctor but then Justin's like don't tell Tori and I know obviously Tori's plate is a little bit full right now but it's just another bloody secret that the Morgans have I don't know it's just getting a bit scary how good how how much Justin's starting to coerce even Leah now these pain meds they got their hold on on him and um, a quick one micro rant on Mia and Ari I'm just so it just annoyed me no end just really got under my skin so she's just started so Mia's just started this new job as the manager of a gym and she's non-stop scoring her boyfriend while he's working out if I worked if I was a member of that gym I'd be like will you please remove your lips from his face and come and spot me and Jasmine keeps catching them, uh, kissing, and Mia's like, oh, I have such a cool boss. It's like, no, make a better impression. Stop kissing your boyfriend. And then now, oh, I just think it's so, and she's always in uniform. Same thing happened to Willow. I just think if you work in the gym, you work seven days a week. But now Ari's getting very broody, and they're reminiscing on Cody, and I just think, 
oh, I don't know if a, if a baby story, if a baby comes into their lives, poor Mac, because she's not doing great. So I know I don't like to speculate, but it kind of seems like a baby's coming their direction. I don't know what's going to happen to Mac. And now I feel like I've really been going hell for leather today. I did enjoy this week. I just, some of the storylines, been a bit far-fetching all at once. Between Max drunk acting, Christian's existential crisis of being dead and aware, and now Nick's modelling career. (laughs) It's just, uh, I personally thought that they were bringing in this storyline to get rid of Bella and and Nick that they would move to the city and become a photographer and a model. Now that we've met so many of the these new cool model people, I don't know. I they must be hanging around. This must be just something to. This is obviously just a, this is maybe just a storyline now for Nick and Bella. Yeah. So Sienna, uh, where where do I begin? I feel like she is supposed to be this like. Bitchy, Devil Wears Prada, eats you for breakfast kind of vibe. But I don't know if this actress can really, is really selling that to me. Yes, she's like a stuck up prissy city girl, but I'm not really like feeling the fear. And I hate when Home and Away tries to do something cool in city. It's just, it doesn't work. I just don't know if it really works. It always kind of comes off a bit cringy when it tries to make something look like fashion look cool just stick to your surf comps stick to your small low-key community events that's where you shine stick to the firestorms and the, the hospital sieges and the diner burglaries local is best and i just i don't know i just found myself like rolling my eyes a fair bit at this and a bit of a shoehorn but i did like the way Nick included Bella in the deal and you know we're a package and that was really nice I thought Bella could have been a bit more appreciative of it like what is what's her intention here because she's there once she finds out who Emmett is the whole her whole thing is like it's your decision not mine don't do it just give me the internship fair enough like it's great that I get to go with you but then once she finds out who Emmett is She's kind of given him all these like nudges and nudges and you're fine, you're going to be great, just do it. I want to do this internship. And I can't, I look, I look I've been through a bit of roller coaster with Bella. I really didn't like her. Then I now really like her. So I, so I don't really like talking bad about her. But it's coming across a bit selfish. Yeah, and like they're in the photo shoot and they have this, you know, they're all screaming at him, you're a natural, you're natural. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm really struggling here. Like, this isn't a natural moment. I hate this. And she can see how uncomfortable he is. She knows he's feeling the pressure. And then she starts doing all this, like, reverse psychology on him, being like, you've got to want this for yourself, but don't regret it. It's very misleading. And he's in a very tender moment. You know, he's feeling exposed out of his comfort zone and... You're kind of puppeteering him to do what you want because you're in your element and directing him in this photo shoot and like impressing the bigwigs. Yeah, so it was... The, um, I think the line in it for me was when she says like, it's me and you dancing on the cliff. 
So oh, please give over. Like I was queen of the interns when I left college. Queen. I was getting in trouble for the wrong shade of fluoro orange ribbon. I had to go back to like 14 other shops to try get the right shade of ribbon. So for this to be Bella's first internship where she's directing a photo shoot makes me very jealous and makes me know that that does not exist in any shape or form. And I just love in Home and Away, maybe it's an Australian thing, I don't know, but you're so used to seeing them in like swimsuits and beach clothes and, you know, very casual. So when they're when they're made up, they're obviously so naturally beautiful. You're not used to seeing them with makeup on. So when they're made up, they look really strange. And the fashion is always so terrible. Like in walk Allegra, obviously the most tokenistic model name you can think of. And like that photo shoot, what was she wearing? The big red dress with the ruffle on the front. The sparkly like disco ball outfit. Ay ay ay. Just so bad. I just I don't know where you where they even find those things. And like it's you're not and just the heavy eyeshadow and yeah, it's just so cringy. Like yeah, it's just oh, I don't know, I'm just not really buying it. And like and the whole office like mean girls vibe was a bit you know, oh, the big bad world is so mean. It's a hard sell, a hard sell. And I guess it was only a matter of time anyway before Nico the Natural books his first job and they <laughs> and they send him all the champagne. So I feel like they've, they've fleshed out Emmett and Sienna a lot now that it feels like they'll be hanging around for a while, especially with this new job. And then you, meanwhile, you have Chloe and Ryder skiving off all the goodies. So... Yeah, it seems like something is building there. But like, I want more murder. I <laughs> I don't want low-key fashionista drama. I want a whodunit. I want an evil person. Like, I, I just want the... I feel like the plots at the moment are all little and often. I want a deep builder of one. And it's been ages since Colby left. Okay, maybe we don't need a death. But I need something with a bit more depth. I just need more. I need more gasps. I think that's what I need. Alrighty, well that about wraps it up for me this week. If you want to get in touch, Summer Bays is on Instagram at Summer Bays Podcast. If you have time, I would love if you could rate, review, and/or subscribe to Summer Bays with zero pressure. G'day, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>